I've ever told you about how much I love you? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, actually, you haven't. Tell me about how much you mean to me, baby. Go on. About how much it hurts when you're gone. Yeah. Yes. Oh. oh, hold on, hold on. Oh. <laughs> No, listen, uh, we went to the wrong industry, my, my friend. The wrong industry. Should have gone to the craft beer industry in college as opposed you, to that. You say that now. You say that now. But there is a guy who is a former, yes, he's former, a former NFL football player. But he does prison ministry six times a year, makes $260,000 a year. His wife works for the same quote-unquote nonprofit, and she makes like $120,000 a year. So really... I might be in the right industry, <laughs> but I will never see that money. How can you make that much doing that? Well, because you list yourself as a nonprofit, and then you fundraise the crap out of things like salary, and you have a big name, and maybe mm -hmm. you have a, I don't know if this guy has a prison record, but he has a very recognizable name, and so people are like, oh, hey, hey, and mm -hmm. so it's just very uh, easy for him, and he d puts on huge events. Like, when he goes to the prisons... He has, like, carte blanche to do whatever the heck he wants to do, which none of us do. Like, we got to beg, borrow, and steal, but without the stealing, to bring, like, cameras and stuff in. And they mm -hmm. have to be, like, point-and-shoot cameras that do not have Wi-Fi and, uh, and stuff like that. So it's really hard to bring video cameras in because so many are digital um, DSLR cameras and stuff. And a lot of them have Wi-Fi capabilities. You can adjust settings with your iPhone and stuff, and you're not allowed to have any of that. How come? Uh, so that no one can communicate from the inside, outside, or outside, or inside. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for instance, if you walk in with an Apple Watch, even though you left your phone in the car, they'll make you take your Apple Watch out or they'll confiscate it. Mm. Because they think that you might be trying to smuggle in something. So if you have more than, like, 25 bucks in your wallet, which mm -hmm. you shouldn't bring your wallet at all. You just bring your ID and your car keys, and that's all you need. Yeah. So it's difficult, but such is life. I mean, the... That is, but those aren't like incredible barriers to overcome. No, 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 not at all. I, did I tell you about the last prison ministry thing I did? You posted about it. I saw it on the old Facebook. Did I? I don't think I posted about. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I did. Um... I always assume that you did. Yeah. <laughs> Anima. No. Uh, <laughs> I. Uh, so um, I came back from vacation a day early, and I made Shannon drive straight through, which she did not want to do. Uh, so that I could rest, and because we did two, uh, I did two talks, and we had about two hours of praise and worship, two and a half hours of praise and worship, plus my talks, uh, for an open call. So if you haven't stabbed anyone in the last 18 months, you can come <laughs> to hear old Mike Gormley talk in the Salt Band Whale Away, St. Anthony's Life Team. Oh, yeah. So uh, so that happened. and it How was, many Salt Church bands do you think there are? Oh, oh dozens. Dozens upon yeah. dozens. Uh, and so the really funny thing was um, most of the people come for the band, right? Um, mm -hmm. But because there were so many men who went on the Colby retreat, a lot of them were like, uh, I, this one guy came up to me, he was, hey, not to scare you, but they're all here for you. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> no, they're here for the music. And he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, so it was just, it was a lot of fun. Um, one of the cool things that happened, there's this guy named Charles who wanted to leave. He came early so that he could listen to music. And then he found out that we were Catholic. And then he thought, oh, no, Catholics don't let blacks into their church, so I'm going to leave. He basically thought we were like Mormons from the turn of the century. 
Hmm. And he thought that we legitimately didn't let Catholics in. He's like, I'm sorry, I was ignorant. <laughs> but one of my guys who's on the team, not my guys, one of the dudes on the team, he sees this dude kind of shifting around and standing up and looking all anxious. And he just walks up to him and he's like, hey, what's going on? And within five minutes, I look over and he's like praying with him in the middle of this, in the middle of the, the room as all this chaos is going on. And uh, it was like super, 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 super powerful for him. Uh, and the guy ended up writing us saying like, I needed Mike to pray with me, to keep me in my seat, to hear the praise and worship music that allowed me to accept you as you Catholics as Christians. And then I heard Mike Gormley give his talk, and that allowed me to address some issues with my family because I hate my family right now because they haven't come and visited me in two years. Wow. Yeah, and so you just see these cascading effects of, of little yeses, right? Yes, mm -hmm. yes from the salt band six months ago to come to prison. Yes to Mike Kimball to do this retreat. Yes to me to, to turn into a glorify event where I just give two talks and all this stuff. And I decided to talk about owning up for your past life, repentance, and racism. Could we ever do a live Catching Foxes there? Would that work? <laughs> do our own uh, Folsom Prison album? <laughs> Welcome to Folsom Prison. It's it's Ferguson. It's Ferguson I could, Prison. <laughs> I could smash a glass of water on the ground. That's where I think of your strategy. And we'll just cheers. I'm like, <laughs> you take strategy. I hear anima technica vacua. This is a flashback over my whole life. <laughs> With Reese Witherspoons for some reason. Oh, yeah. What a, Who what can a... sing better than me in this flashback. <laughs> <laughs> what a dynamic movie. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know, Luke. I feel like you're walking the line with that one. Uh, uh, uh. Shame. Shame. <laughs> shame. I feel like the internet marched me down the city streets yelling shame while I was naked. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael Gormley, all of Catholicism in America thinks that you should be stripped naked while a woman yells shame while you walk. A woman, that's, that's my wife. Weird, I know, right? <laughs> Why does my wife keep yelling shame whenever I'm naked? <laughs> Literally, whenever I'm naked. <laughs> I, I just really hope that, like, <laughs> if Shannon were, I really hope that if she ever takes the time to hear our 102 podcast, that this is the one that she listens to just so while you're, like, getting out of the shower, she just walks in with a bell and goes, shame, shame. <laughs> uh, all I know is that one day you're just going to text her and be like, will you get a bell? <laughs> And just walk in while he's getting a shower and shame his nakedness. And really weird. Could you, like, film it from, like, the chest up so it's YouTube appropriate? <laughs> oh, and how. And how. <laughs> Man, she just went to bed. It's 10-11 my time. 11-11 your time. Ooh, 11-11, Luke. Make a wish. That's me making a wish. <laughs> Close your eyes. Make a wish. And um, remember, Boys to Men, they've been reduced to a Kroger commercial. And casinos. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Dude, that's probably where the sweet, sweet money is. I, yeah, you think so? I think so. Do, oh, do you know how? Well, I mean, I know the people out in Las Vegas who do those like. Oh, you know, well, that's bad. They make just, they don't have to tour. They just play a show, do lines of Coke, and call it a day. Yeah, but they still have to live in Las Vegas. I would love to live in Vegas. No, you wouldn't. You Viva would Las Vegas. You would like it for like a day, and then you'd be like, "Ugh, it's like this all the time." And then when a convention comes to town, and it literally takes you thirty minutes to walk a block, you will want to murder everyone. 
<laughs> Sorry, I really, I really jumped to extremes with that. One. <laughs> you just start murdering people in order to give yourself elbow room. <laughs> Insert how I, how I met your mother, uh, a fire song here. I don't get it. I don't get it at I all. I know three people will get that. Mm. I, well, it's one of the most popular sitcoms on television, so I think more than three people will. I love that show, but none of our fans, because our fans are smart. <laughs> they read books and do things. You know, I got a bunch of cool stats on pod, on podcast listeners. It was very very interesting. On your podcast listener? No, on podcast in listeners general. in general. Oh, let's hear it. I don't remember a lot of them, but Ooh. one is is that where did you they, get it from? Uh, podcast and advertising site. Uh, I've got I've I've been trying to grease some palms. Um, who is that? Midroll. They will not get back to me. I'm no, 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 no. The, just the stuff that you were talking about. It's like them. Okay. So uh, I think this one group may have may have this may have been a mineral study. I don't remember, but they're basically saying that like um, podcasters tend to be college e- uh, college educated. Yeah, sorry, yeah. pod podcast uh, podcast listeners. They tend to they uh, tend to make more money. They like eighty five percent of them will like at one point in time buy a thing based off of a podcast ad. They're very invested. Um, they have more. They have a higher disposable in in income because apparently people who have kids don't have time to hear podcasts. Crazy, right? <laughs> I so, find the time. <laughs> Why haven't you, Daddy? Quiet, kid. Pod, <laughs> podcast at three times the speed. Hey, listen. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this one. 67 million Americans listen to podcasts monthly. That's up 14% in one year. Today, 24% Americans, this is a stat from just a straight up like Consumer Reports webpage type thing. Mm-hmm. 24% of Americans age 12 or older listen to podcasts monthly. For context, 21% of Americans are Catholic. Thus, podcast listening is more common than Catholicism in the United States. That's right. Bad. Yes, which means that if it's like Catholicism, one-fourth of its adult members will leave by the age of 18. <laughs> <laughs> and like 9% are, go- are like pretty much the only ones there at the age of 29. Uh, the future is bright and wonderful because we have the love of Jesus in our hearts. <laughs> what, else, what other stats did you get? Uh, I thought I should pull this back up. I forget. Um, the most people they they just kind of said like where people tend uh, to listen to podcasts. Most people listen to podcasts. Um, blah, 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 blah. Gosh, that's all I can remember. Huh, but okay. like once they're in, like they're in. Like if they subscribe to a show, like they're in, and they are uh, committed to it pretty much. Although I think that tends to I think that tends to go in waves. Like I, there was a period of time where the only podcast I would have listened to for the most part would have been WTF. The Nerdist podcast and This Week in Tech, and now I can't even tell you the. I think I I, I heard of as actually a really great episode of the, the Nerdist podcast with one of the South Park guys. It was actually really incredible. Um, but that's the last. I was like maybe about a month ago, and I probably it was a couple months before when I had heard of Nerdist. I don't I don't listen to those anymore, which is weird. All I'm saying is I think it goes in seasons. You don't, you don't listen to the WTF anymore? Not no. And it's, and it, it's what are you listening got, to? What are you listening to? Uh, sports, sports Ugh. game pod, podcast. That's literally it. I can't get enough like all the theories and the histories and the stuff. It's just gimme, 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 gimme. Uh, speaking of consumption, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can. I, there's like a, I finally got in uh, to YouTube and I found this one great. It's actually I think it's cool because it. Uh, and I don't want to get on this whole Game of Thrones wrong thing. I'm not trying to do that. So let's just not have that conversation. Um, Mad Fred already did it and he did a great job. Um, yeah, he had a follow up episode on Integrity Restored yeah. after my disastrous episode. No, it wasn't disastrous. People just love to freak out about things. Which, like, I have no room to talk about that. I, hey, so. and if you want to hear my episode, I created our own Catching Foxes version and put it on our Patreon page. Any oh, subscriber of $1 or more can get access to that episode. If, if everyone were to give two, at least $2, we could quit our jobs and do this full time. Dude, did, did you see that tweet where someone wrote, what a coup it would be if uh, the crunch came out and people donated $2 a person <laughs> and they were the first ones to be independent? Right how to call like Oh Oh Lord, you are a just God. You humble the proud. Um <laughs> You raise uh, up the lowly. Yeah, oh you know what? I heard a really great podcast actually called Crime Town. So good. Is it like a so serial wannabe? Kind uh not exactly. It's more just examines the uh um criminal history of Providence, Rhode Island. Interesting. Yeah, Those Knights of Columbus back in Providence were real headbreakers. <laughs> no, it's it's just it's, it's actually kind of interesting because in a place like Providence, it's so small, in a very you know you have a rather large population in a concentrated area. Everyone knows everyone. So when a person, if like a mob guy dies or a cop dies, you and this is more like back in the day, you tended to have like everyone there because he would have grown up with people who were least. Are connected somehow, so everyone has ties to each other. It's really, it's really interesting. Oh, okay. I mean, but then it just it it it, it does kind of fall into the trap of, and I I can't stand this where they glamorize the mob the mob life, or it's just like, well, he just was what he was, you know. And it's like, no, this is um it's still horrible. But they actually do a good job of trying to show the side of the victims as well. But I've always just found that stuff interesting. You know, I feel weird right now with my um, with my podcast listening to stop talking about you. Uh, so I've <laughs> a, I'm actually now a full blown listener to the Crunch, and what I mean by full blown is not just that I've listened to individual episodes, but I've subscribed and listened to when the new episodes come out. So I've listened. Arlene Spensley did a great job. The last two episodes, they talked a lot about me because Ethan had uh, gone to my Steubenville talk, and they recorded them both pretty close to that. But I have been listening. Okay, so I was not a fan of Bad Christian, the Bad Christian podcast, and I forced mm -hmm. myself to listen to it. And every so often, it'll pop up in my feed, and I'll be like, eh, I guess I'll download this episode, or, you know. And I have, um, I have really been pissed off at their stuff lately, but it's still <laughs> interesting. You know? I get mad at it too, yeah. I get mad at it all the time. And here's a really interesting thing that I've noticed, right? So you know how all Catholics desperately want to be evangelical Protestants? Well, mm -hmm. the, the <laughs> except for the rad trads. And the, the, <laughs> the thing that I notice is uh, there is so much to the Catholic spiritual tradition that I feel like I want to scream into the three men know, that run right? the Bad Christian Podcast. Like, they interviewed Michael Gungor. Of of the Gungor, well, I don't even know. It's him and his wife. They do music, and they, they were Gungor, Gungor, not Gungor. Normally, <laughs> come on. I know, I know. You work in ministry, please. <laughs> I'm the intellectual side, not the fun um, media savvy side. I'm sorry, your 
is the top part of your hair actually longer than the side part of your hair? Yes. Then you should know who that band is. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. In my almost hipster haircut. Um, but the uh, the thing that they were talking about was this guy said, talks about how he's he's not an atheist, but he's so close to it because he's experiencing this complete lack of faith and all this stuff. And I'm like, this guy is started to experience a dark night of the soul type event. He entered into to extreme desolation, but because he didn't have the language, I feel like surrounding it, he did what what literally Saint Ignatius of Loyola talks about, which is keep going. You will end mm-hmm. out on the other side when you encounter desolation. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep yeah. on moving. Don't stop. Whoa! And he stopped, and he's like, I don't even know if God is real, you know. And he's like, I believe in the all powerful connecting thing that can unites all life. And I'm like, Ooh. Well, you know, it's it's hard, though, because when you're in that world, and I, I can only speak just because I've been in that world, your heart's been changed. Like You're in it because something's happened to you. You've had that encounter e- event. But if you don't have the tradition of the church or just like – which sounds really weird, but you don't have that like – you don't have um, faith and reason. It When that's gone and you don't really understand anything, you don't have anyone to trust – yeah, you, know, you don't have. Yeah, so, I would. Like, I would why say would you not? Because like something happened, so I've got. I can't just ignore that reality. But I don't know if it's this. This being Chris, Christianity. Yeah, and I feel like the like the beauty of evangelical Christianity is literally we're going to get together a group of people who are in love with Jesus Christ and the mission to spread the church. And we're going to try to imitate the Acts of the Apostles in the most basic way we can in our in the context of our modern world. And we're just going to go for it. And they allow for so much um, because they don't have history, they don't have baggage, right? They're allowed to do whatever the heck they want to do. You know, Andy Stanley talks about um, – he, he boasts how their church doesn't have any traditions because nothing is allowed to survive long enough to become a tradition. And he says, we have culture, but not a tradition. Like, we have values that become a part of who we are, but not like this is the way we've always done things kind of stuff. And there is a huge strength in that, but there's also a terrifying weakness, which is we literally have to make it up as we go along. And I love, I mean, like, if people were to look at my YouTube history, they would just see literally hundreds of of sermons and talks and interviews with Mm -hmm. evangelical pastors. And uh, it's a podcast that I actually want to do. I want to I want to walk with an evangelical pastor over like three or four weeks and just have conversations about their prayer life and their the way they run a church and the way they view church itself. And but you see this this notion of we're constantly having to try to reinvent the wheel. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but I do mean that it becomes disparaging because what if we create something wrong, but it's quote unquote relevant or what if we're doing something destructive to the soul, but it's quote unquote successful mm-hmm. and it's not bearing fruit, but a lot of people are indulging in it. So is this the right way? And I, I mean, I just speak for myself and my own RCIA experiences. I mean, I, I bring in probably I brought into the church through the programs that I run almost 100 people in the last four years. I, it would definitely be over 100 for the both RCIAs, but with just my inclusion program alone, I mean, we're going to bring in 30 people this year or this semester, and I did 30 last semester. So we're starting to look at all this stuff, and the number one thing that people say to me is they are becoming Catholic because of our strong moral stance that clearly it reflects the gospel, 
while everyone else is defecting. So I'm like, okay. And then the so with those people, I got to make sure you do know we're supposed to love gay people, right? Okay, just checking. Um, but <laughs> then but then the other thing is they're like, I feel like I go to a concert and then I hear hear a really great talk, and I never once worshipped God. Like those are their words, and mm-hmm. I'm, and they're not alone. I mean, literally, I, I, dozens of people say that to me every year. And to, it's to the point where I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Maybe I don't want to just wholesale, whole cloth, adopt their method into my thing because I think there is something very powerful about the tradition itself, you know. And just like you were saying, if we if we don't have something to fall back onto, and it's just us, this is the problem of modernity: is we're constantly being independent agents, reinventing the meaning of life over and over and over again, and that's freaking exhausting. Well, you know, there's it's so funny because you can even like see this in our in our puritanical roots this idea of just do this and control how things are and everything will be fine so you look at these bad christian guys a lot of them have come from religious i'm I'm, and i really i'm thinking of toby and joey specifically where they were brought up to be like you don't do this you don't do that you don't you don't like drink you don't do drugs you don't say you don't say say swear words or you're gonna go to hell and your world's going to fall apart and what happens when like you drink you say the word like damn and everything's fine the sun comes up the world turns it's it's a beautiful day outside your world doesn't collapse when that's your whole like reasoning for existence that like it kind of like shatters everything, you know. Again, this idea of um, control, you know, in a, in a weird way. What do I got to do to be in control of what's happening here? And there's no sense of um, encountering the profound, the profound like, mystery of God. Yeah. It's um yeah. I mean, I it's I don't I see it. It's I mean, it's been around in the we're, we're kind of like right now. I, I would say like the whole new thing is post evangelical. Just kind of like where we are. It's just the idea of like, ah, I'm here, but like I'm not that. You know, I'm not my dad. I'm trying to figure all this out, and that's where like those guys are. It's 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 really interesting to see because like I have the same thing where I'm like, you're so close, you're you're so close, and then now it's like, where's the mega church? Yeah. You know, sorry, I just I get this. You cannot send me anything because <laughs> I will stop what I'm doing and read it. <laughs> visual jokes for an audio format <laughs> i sent him a picture of michael voris of church militant old tussle the hair <laughs> he's like another guy too which i think is is like the same thing i so much of what angers him i'm like hell yeah buddy then he's like gay people are gonna all be destroyed i'm like oh no <laughs> so you're like i i also hate a large amount of extraordinary ministers of the eucharist you're like but you seem to go about it in the most destructive way possible <laughs> yeah. i feel like i feel like he's like he's like that guy at franciscan that you could have a conversation with late at night you'd be like wow that was a great conversation and then you hear him talking about like what the church really needs to do is launch another crusade and you're like wait what what happened what happened to the guy <laughs> i was talking to the other day like <laughs> you used to be cool, bro. <laughs> what what happened? You know. Why do we? Why are we? Uh, just attacking everyone. My uh, my uh, my dad prays in front of an abortion clinic, and one day uh, this guy says to him, "You know why I don't like this pope?" And <laughs> he was talking about uh, Pope Benedict or Pope JP two or something because my dad's been doing it for over a decade now, and uh, 
he's, he's like, why is that? And this guy's like super, super traditional. And he goes, he hasn't killed enough people. What? And my dad goes, what? <laughs> and the guy's, <laughs> the guy's like, I mean, come on. All this stuff going on in the world. And he hasn't literally, hasn't called for a crusade. Like he hasn't mobilized Catholics into troops. Like clearly he's falling down on his job. And I'm like. My dad's just staring at him. He goes, yo, yo, what do you mean he hasn't killed? When was that the thing? Like, Peter, here's the keys of the church, and here's the keys to my shed, which is filled with guns and ammo. And a step-by-step eight-week troop training program. Let's just, okay, let's, let's, just, let's just think. Let's say that out of nowhere, Pope the Pope completely changes face and uh, character, and it just goes, <laughs> yeah, okay, guys, we're going to invade Pakistan, get your guns ready. Let's go. Who's gonna go? Like, who's gonna call up the army? Who's gonna pay for it? Where's this army going to train? Like, how? What are the logistics of this? Super, super devout dads and moms whose kids are apathetic and forced to be in confirmation class. <laughs> gonna be like, listen, if you get confirmed and fight in an international army of Roman Catholics against insurgent Islam. Then mom and dad will get you a car. <laughs> if you know you survived the horrors of war and getting confirmed. <laughs> you know there are like a couple baby boomers who are like, you know, hearing this, who just get a little bit of the nipple tingling when they hear that. They're like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. Did you say International Roman Catholic Army against insurgent Islam? You are speaking Hell. my language. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, I was oh. a Fortune 500. Executive, I've got the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know how true that is about some people I know. But the really funny thing is the fact that you brought up baby boomers because there's a certain priest that employs me who now listens. <laughs> <laughs> He's listened to the last, I think, three episodes, and he was like, so, Gormley, I was a little upset at you the other day. And I was like, what, why? And he's like, you made fun of baby boomers. And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> Wait, what, what? It was Luke. It was Luke. Yeah, it was totally Luke. Under the bus. Um, <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, what was that line that he said? He's like, I'm a baby boomer, and I was really mad. But then later on you talked about getting trouble for your words and Luke getting in trouble for his words. And so I forgave you for speaking out that way. And I was like, oh, thank you. Well, it's not like, I mean, my mom's a baby boomer and I adore my mom. Hi, mom. She is listening now. She actually can. She's she's part one of our supporters on Patreon. So Yay. thanks, mom. Um, my mom says I'm cool. She's like so proud of us. It's really it's really cute. Um, she she sent me this text. She's like, you guys are going to get so big. I'm like, oh, we kind of already have. And that'll probably it. But, you know, so thanks, mom. Um, it's not like it's OK to. The baby boomers as a whole, there's some really good stuff about them. I like, I genuinely think that. Um, there's also some things I'm like, hey, not so cool, you know. And that's. Um, I feel that's like okay. I can say that about any group at any time, anywhere. Yeah, because I think it'd be two things at at once. Like, we're a good podcast. We also suck a lot. <laughs> and and I'm how? Fully, yeah, fully aware of that. Um, so that's all. I, I really, I mean, it, it can seem like Luke and Gomer hate baby boomers. And I'm like, you're right. But only as a whole. Individually, no, I'm just kidding. It's not true at all. Where do we go from here? We've dug a hole. 
<laughs> well, I can't see the light anymore. Um, we so... just pissed off all of our audience. I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> and all the ones who actually pay us. Um, I know, seriously. I'm just, I mean, everyone but you. No, actually, I don't, that's not true at all. It's a big, I'm just being horrible. This hey, will get edited out, right? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about why you've been sad the last couple of weeks. Luke, what's going on? What's Are we going to have buddy? to, like, redo a whole conversation? No. You know I'm terrible at this. I know. So, <laughs> listen, this this episode is already ten times better than the trash we were doing earlier. I agree. Okay. But, because what we were doing earlier was so depressing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, it's it can still be... It can still be uh, popping fresh out the kitchen with mama's rolling their body. Got every man in here wishing. But boop boop, we uh, I think we can class it up. We can class it up a bit for our listeners. You just, for, you just won't like hear me going. What's the point, Comer? What's the point? I do, I do, but I can't. I don't think you can re-simulate the depression. So let's know. make it fun, ladies and gentlemen. If you're just tuning in with us, Luke is about to emote. Luke, what's going on, buddy? So a couple weeks ago, I I suck at this. So if this stinks, don't be mad at me. Uh, <laughs> just talk. <laughs> I'm so insecure. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I was given a talk for the anima on the anima technica vacua, or however you choose to pronounce it, and I decided to do. How about some... correctly? <laughs> anima technica vacua. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Dude, this is awesome. I'm like, so there's a whole bunch of reasons why this is happening, and and they're all just a comment of errors. But I'm recording this on my bed, like in my box, which is sprawled out on my bed. It's great. So <laughs> Daddy likes to starfish in his boxers. <laughs> exactly what's happening. Um, okay, so I was doing this talk on the Anima Technica Vacua. How's that, uh, Miss Libby? All right, uh, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, uh, in perfect cursive. Um, <laughs> sorry. Okay, so I started to do some research, and I, I came across a couple. I did the old Google search. Ironic, I know. And I was I was trying to get to like I think the anima, the anima technia vacua is more than just um, like cell phone use. And I I know we've talked about this at length on, on this podcast, but this we're gonna go kind of a different route here. So. Stick with me. I started to see how von Balthasar, when he first started to talk about, it, he really only points this out in the in his epilogue, which is like his 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 conclusive writing for. A, I don't okay. Also, precursor. I'm not a von Balthasar scholar, so this is just my opinion. It could be completely wrong. So, take that for what it's worth. And when I went on the internet to try to understand this more, people and I I came across a couple of books that were trying to unpack the idea a bit because it is a pretty like it's he did it a year before he died is when he first proposed that term and it's a relatively it's a pretty like new thing so there isn't a lot on it and he basically says it's the heart of the like it's the it's the core of um, western culture now and he's referring to it as this emphasis on like power and production and this idea that um, it's about what we can do and uh, what we can make, that that's what counts. And it's really also struck a chord with the First Things article that was talking about um, the great books and just some of the like kind of bad books that are part of the great books. And they were this guy referred to to specifically an article. Um, th- 
the writings of Francis Bacon and John Dewey pointing and uh, Hobbes as well pointing towards this idea of we push God out of out of the way like not as the most when we, when we make him not the most important thing in our world and we replace it with man it becomes instead about with God it's about the sanct the sanctification of us and the world around us the world in which we exist and things becoming what they were actually created to be instead when you have man as the, the center of everything it's about man trying to overcome his nature they're trying to trying to over and trying to over over like come both his nature and like nature and you know so like man basically becomes his own god and he's on this infinite quest for you know infinite knowledge so he can continue to just conquer and conquer and conquer the world and how that idea has really steeped itself into the roots of the West, especially as we uh, how we approach ed education and all of that. That article, the uh, commentaries on the Anima Technia va Vacua and Balthazar's writings hit me like a ton of bricks because I see how this is seeped into so much of our thought within the church in terms of both how we should approach evangelization and just the church. And I mean, it's like everywhere. And it really, it, I'm a, and it really like, it like killed my heart because one of the things that Von Balthazar talks about is he doesn't think that encounter or real connection can be made in the anima technia vacua because it's all about what it's all about what i can do what i can produce as as opposed to the most one of the most important parts of and of a life with christ is the ability to receive what he has for me and to understand what that means i just blabbed on tell me what you think about that well uh so one of the things that that I think is really important is this notion of the anima technica vacua. Like we've talked about it really as man's – the emptiness of a man's soul or a woman's soul caused by technology. And it's not really technology. So, Luke, can I read that quote um, that you that you have uh, snapshotted from Love Alone? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Whenever the relationship between nature and grace is severed, as happens in the theory mentioned earlier where faith and knowledge are constructed as opposites – then the whole of worldly being falls under the domain of knowledge, and the springs and forces of love imminent in the world are overpowered and finally suffocated by science, technology, and cybernetics. The result is a world without women, without children, without reverence for love in poverty and humiliation, a world in which power and the profit margin are the sole criteria, where the disinterested, the useless, the purposeless is despised, persecuted, and in the end exterminated, a world in which art itself is forced forced to wear the mask of technique. Do you want me it's to read that? Do you want me to read that no. next part? Uh, da, 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 da. You can if you want to. Mm, no. <laughs> no, nah, no, no, nah, no I, I just good. got a thing from Call Recorder that just that it it made me concerned because I'm not recording my quick time. Okay, well, I got call recorder going. 
Okay, we good. Okay, sorry. I was like, oh no. Um, but isn't that crazy though? Yeah. Like because when you when you this is what we were getting at earlier. I think so much of the stuff that we've been talking about here, this debate about stats and, um, you know how we measure what is really good, good ministry and how we do it. To me, this screams about why it's wrong because it's coming from the standpoint of what's the problem I can fix? How can um, how can I have some sort of again this like last? It's all about this last line here. A, a world in which art itself is forced to wear the mask of technique. Every, how much junk is out there where all we do is talk about tech, all about, about technique. Where does, why do we have a desire to want the silver bullet? Like, why is that there? And I think I'm going to make the argument that I think it's, or I'm, or I'm starting to think it's because of the anima technia tech, uh, technica vacua is so ingrained into our culture that it's, it's like the foundation of how we think. And unless we address that, I I'm really concerned that so many things will not bear fruit because it's impossible. Yeah, and so one of the things that we, you talked about bringing this up is what specifically does that mean for us in ministry? Because I think a lot of people might have listened to you know the original, the original episode where you talked about your dissatisfaction with the convocation, and then Brandon Vaught coming on, and Brandon Vaught was he was a great guest, uh, and having him on, I felt like he was able to really nice guy, yeah, really great guy, really great guy. I feel like he was able to explain himself more and why he was uh upset at your your broad like dismissal of of what was happening there and he definitely explained a lot more like the fact that the usccb guidelines where you just talk about stats and all this other stuff don't suggest a single solution but um and throughout the whole episode you weren't convinced though you could see his point you're you know i agree i understand what you're saying but i don't agree don't necessarily agree and it's not that See, I think people got hung up on the whole thing about, like, statistics itself or coming up with a strategy itself. And I am, I am somewhere in the middle of you two. I haven't really decided. But um, what, what – connecting that with the anima technica vacua, like, honestly, like, what is, what is the problem? Why can't – you were saying to me earlier, like, youth ministers, we might be going about the whole thing, and in my case, adult faith formation people, the whole thing completely wrong. We might be entirely missing the point, even when they're doing, you know, quote unquote, good things like Bible study. Mm -hmm. Because, okay, and this is where I still have to like think this stuff through, which is what we were doing earlier, and it was so super scattered. So this will probably be at least a little bit better. Because um, when we are coming from a place of, what can I do to solve this problem? As opposed to what can I do to enter into the mystery of the Trinity, to enter into communion with God and with and with and with others. It's about doing the right and what is what is um just and right as opposed to um, what's going to give me the biggest bang for my buck. How do I get what I want? 
because when I try to do what I get for what I want, it automatically, um, I've, um, I have like violated the, the freedom of the other. And when I do that, I've been, I'm inherently trying to produce something as opposed to entering in to something with that other person. So like, why does it bother us when we, uh, cause we, we all agree we need to meet people where they are. Why? Why does that strike us as being true? Why do we kind of get, why do we feel icky? Sorry, it's kind of weird, but why do we feel like weird about all these different programs, but we don't know what else to do because it's ingrained in our brains that we just have to make some, what's, we just have to make something happen as opposed to entering into to something that has no other quote unquote goal besides communion with Christ and others. And those are two very different approaches because one because one is like rooted in Christ. It is comes from God and ends in God. The other comes from me and ends in with what I want to see happen with this other person. So what so that's that's what I mean by when I say we talk about being the church, but we never just are the church. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and this is one of the things that I, I, I think connect to it, and you can stop me if I'm wrong. So, no, no, you're fine. And I've told this story. I know I'm fine, Luke. I haven't told you the thing yet. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I told this story. I know I've said this story probably before on here, but um, one of the things that I talked about in my parish retreat, staff retreat that I led today, was this notion of true and false expectant faith. Like, it's one thing to have an expectant faith that you believe that God is 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 able to show up and intervene in our world and that he can and will um if 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 we are faithful and you know whatever but there's an there's a evil or false expectant faith when we cease to view God as God and begin to view him as our cosmic slot machine where we mm-hmm. keep pumping in quarters and pulling levers and he is expected to give us straight sevens and we win you know, and and we have this expectation that um, that God's going to do this work, especially when we put in um, when we put in our uh, our time and effort, right? So, in the youth ministry context, this was opened up to me when I was at Life Team Notre Dame. Now it's called Life Team Leadership Conference, but it was back in Notre Dame. This wonderful guy was leading this great. I mean, it was it's a it's always been one of the most phenomenal things my teens have ever experienced. A week long of an you know, intense. It's every, it's, it's awesome. It's just a lot more intense and and in depth and a lot more prayerful and all this stuff. And one of the things that happened was uh, a lot of the youth ministers, our first meeting, Paul George was going to give a talk on, um, Paul George was going to give a talk on teaching truth to teens. And I was excited. That sounded like a really awesome topic I could benefit from. And instead the, the, the youth ministers were like, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Last year, and for the past three years, when I brought my teens, at this time last year, they were in tears. They were visibly different. They were much more into it. I don't know what's going on, but there is something wrong here. And all these people were complaining. A bunch of them were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Paul felt a little, like, 
off off put. And he goes, well, you know, I've been feeling like some of the teams aren't really leaning in. So what we're going to do is scrap the talk. And I was like, no, it's the only talk I want to hear. <laughs> and he's like, we're going to scrap the talk. And we're just all going to intercede for those people. And we started praying for him. At one point, this priest, this old Irish priest, raised his hand. He goes, excuse me. Um, but I have to. You Irish cops, you you Irish youth ministers make me feel like river dancing. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, ladies and gentlemen, Willem Dafoe. Um, but he said, it, it, he's like, you guys are literally shocking me right now with your language. You're literally saying by Friday at noon or by Friday at 7 p.m., God needs to make my kids cry. And my kids need to be at X, Y, and Z. What if your kids are different kids than the kids last year? And what if these speakers are speaking on different things? And what if God himself doesn't want to do what you want him to do because he's God and maybe he has a better plan? And mm-hmm. I, I was like, yes, thank you, thank you. Number one, my teens are having an incredible time. Uh, number two, who are we to tell God when and where? And it, honestly, I sat there and I just spent all this time writing down. And that's the first time I ever realized, I ever confronted false expectations in ministry where we treat God, honestly, like a slot machine. I've done all this work. I've pulled the lever. Now it's your turn, God, to always come up sevens or do what I want. And I feel like that's a part of this this notion where, like, how can you have a, a contemplative spirituality if that's how you treat God? How can you have a well, spirituality and, of even praise? All it is is petition, demand, I mean, demand, demand. Think about the, the pilgrimage or, like, any like any like pilgrimage again i'm stealing this off of a catholic stuff you know episode as we are wont to do um it begins and it ends in god and there are no expectations besides we're going to go on this journey and see what god does while we're while we're on it like so that's a whole point like there's there's no um there are things that you do when you stop and, and like you pray obviously but like everyone's experience of that is different it's not like you go on a pilgrimage to, uh, you know, you're going to c- c- come out of here and have the prayer life that's increased by 20% or something. Or like, you know, it's just your experience of that. Like, we're all going to ultimately have a deeper conversion. But what your conversion on that pilgrimage is going to look like is going to could be much different than mine. But the point is we all have, we all experience something, and it's what each of us needs. It's God going, he's going to meet us where we are while we're on that. And I think that's very, and like so many people, I think, like look, like the, in the anima technia va, va, vacua, sorry, and that's wrong, but the, sorry, the way that I pronounce that's wrong, anima technica vacua, um, all that baptism is, is just now I'm a part of this church. It's a it's club about, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello. Um, it's all I have to do to reach this next step, you know, to get me to where I want to be, which is, which is in this, cl- which is, you know, <laughs> um, it's the, it's the price of admissions, yeah. you know, but with, it, when you're not in that, it's the actual, like, it's the gift of faith. Like, think about how, like, different that is. Like, because really, baptism seems outdated in the anima technia vacua. It seems pointless. Like, why do it? Like, it's just this thing that we, it's the hoop we've got to jump through. It's all of the sacraments be, become that. 
when you're outside of it, and again, this is all like Luke Carey talk. This is just like what I kind of, this is what I'm starting to unpack when you're not in that and God is your core. It's an, it's an initiation to a very deep, profound thing that everything comes from begins in God ends in God, as opposed to this thing I'm doing. And now I'm in. Yeah. Those are two ve- like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like it, it, it flips. I mean, honestly, for me, it's like, I'm seeing everything upside down almost. It's like flip because it's just like everything I see why. Like all of our problems, like, well, that's why. Like, this is why it's an issue. This is why there are no witnesses. And this is why we just like bang our heads going, okay, okay, all we got to do now is have formed. Okay, okay, sorry. All we have to do now is have these books that are written by these authors here. You know, uh, going back to that story that I told you about the girl who asked a priest, okay, she was um, going back to school. Do I need to start with the Bible or what book should I should I read to like dive deeper into my faith? And the priest just goes, find a community. Because that begins and ends in a relationship as opposed to this thing I need to acquire to manufacture what I don't have right now. Mind blown. <laughs> what are you thinking, Gormley? I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking, like, okay, I know that we all talk about, like, oh, man, get rid of the programs and just be, but, like, what does it mean? I used to have people that would say that all the time as a youth minister driving me insane. What does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. what does it mean to do, uh, to do youth youth ministry without this? Right? What What does it mean to do youth ministry without programs? You know, in one sense, you could say it's like what uh, Andy Stanley did when he was a youth minister. He would just write one. Scripture uh, verse, youth pastor, youth pastor. He would just write one scripture verse on an index card and hold it up and read it, and ev- everyone would read it and and pray with it, and then just talk about it, you know. And it's like, yeah, but is that really making disciples? And how do you know what the church teaches? And you know what I mean? Like, there are metrics of understanding the faith that are going to get left behind. Are, are we not going to become coloring book Christianity type stuff? You know where. Are we giving people meaningful content, you know? But, like, here's the problem, though, is that word content. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I said that word mean? on purpose. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. So, um, is it's like why I think podcast works so well and why it's a beautiful, like, medium is because really, what, like, we're aware that people are hearing this. So, obviously, it's going to shape how we speak to each other. But the core of it is we're having a conversation with each other that we're inviting other people into. Yeah. And so there, I have no idea out of the 10 people that hear this podcast times a thousand. Um, I have no idea. Um, that's a joke. Sorry. Um, why aren't you laughing? Uh, I did. I did. <laughs> you just didn't hear me because of Skype, but I think you're so funny. You know how insecure I get. Um, <laughs> sort of, but not like, honestly, out of like the people that hear this, there are infinite on the number of possibilities in terms of like how this could impact their life. If it does add, if it does add at all. And when I say, here's the content I want, there has more often than not within the anima technique of, uh, vacuum, there are like objectives and things that we like. There are no 
objectives here besides besides us just trying to unpack like what's going on like like there's a reason why when like we we hear this stuff sorry i don't know i don't know what i'm what what am i trying to trying to say here more often than not i don't think people leave youth ministry because of the lack of pay i think that can that's definitely an issue it's a big issue that we that we have to to talk about but I, what I hear from a lot of people who leave any real kind of ministry is a burnout. They just feel empty. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if part of the, now we, you know, the first answer to that is always like your interior life, the like, you know, the like reservoir part. That that's all absolutely true. But I, I also, um, I also wonder like you can still pray, but if you're in the anima. Technica vac vacua that you're still gonna just become you're just gonna be empty because you're not you're not your you have no roots there's nowhere where you're really coming from and going to it's all just emptiness because it's and if it's if it begins and ends in God that reshapes everything I think it's fine to talk about programs or projects or whatever in that context like, like those are those aren't like inherently bad words but right. when it just becomes i think the problem is is when they're detached from god and 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 like i mean that in in in, this, in the sense of the work of god if he's the primary evan evangelist then the things that i'm that i am speaking right now that stirs people's hearts that's the work of God, not me. Mm-hmm. But when I have these things where I have these specific outcomes that I want to try to overcome these problems, it's now I'm the one trying to make the change in you as opposed to just proposing these things and and allowing the Lord to work. And the and what's crazy is I don't think – I think – I I like often wonder if we think this is the way that the church has always been, and we don't open up our hearts and our minds to the possibility that the way we approach the world is profoundly broken and has been for a very long time. Man, I want I want to I want to express this stuff, but I feel like sometimes I'm just talking in circles because there's so many great things that are out there that are drawing our attention to the bankruptcy of the Enlightenment. There's been some good stuff there, but there's a large amount of bankruptcy there as well. And the problem is we don't see it uh, because we don't – I mean, it's it's impossible to, to see around it because it's a part of our culture, right? And a lot of the stuff that you're talking about is totally what Pope John Paul II spent his entire papacy combating, which is the notion of – the body as mere matter and thus an object of use, all of creation as being the object of man's domination, meaning, right, not cultivation, right, his domination insofar as he subjects those things and their own individual natures to new ends that man imposes from without, right? And so you would contrast this with someone like, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but J.R. Tolkien's view of the elves. What's the view of the elves? Well, the elves had shelter made of wood and stone and blah, blah, blah. Like, they chopped down trees. But their purpose was to ornament and improve nature, like to be a part of it without corrupting it. 
But what we have done is we have created with our science and technology every ever newer ways of asserting ourselves into into the void, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. we create irrigation systems to reclaim the desert and we do all sorts of stuff that violate the natures of things like animals and plants and all this, not because it's better for the animals and the plants, right? I think anyone that looks at, you know, watches documentaries on all this, like, stuff would realize that it's, it's not super healthy for the plants. It's not super he- healthy for the animals. And thus, it's not super healthy for us. Like, I think the whole, like, primal, paleo, whole 30, whole foods movement is a rejection of an overly mechanized view of food and nutrition and exercise but the other problem is all of these um you know like i'm gmo free i'm gluten free i'm artificial preservative free but i still take contraceptives like jp2's point was when we when we remove uh self-control and virtue but we still want the same ends that self-control and virtue give us we replace it with technology so I'm not going to diet and exercise. I'm going to get a surgery, right? I'm not going – I, I want to have sex, but I don't want to get pregnant. So I'm not going to abstain. Instead, I'm going to have sex, but I'm going to have a condom or I'm going to have, you know, uh, an interuterine – I'm going to shoot blanks. I'm going to have an interuterine device, yeah, or I'm going to get a – I'm going to sterilize myself in one way or another. And snip, snip here, snip, snip there. Literally, the first day I met my neighbor, he's like – He's like, he's like, yeah, I got two kids, and then snip, snip. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and my name is Michael. <laughs> you know, like, wow, okay. And so I didn't, I didn't let him call me Gomer. Um, <laughs> you don't deserve that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is where we, we, we supplant the actual work of virtue with technology to intervene, and it, but it's never quite right. So you have and, a – what? I'm sorry. Well, and, then, and, like, we have to ask ourselves, why do we do this? Why do we do that? Why does that like again? Why do French words sound nice to us, and why do German words sound harsh? There's a reason for that, and it goes back to about a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not an accident. It just didn't happen. You mean the Norman Conquest? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because the French. That's when. That's how the English language got so Latinized. Is because it was mm-hmm. a Germanic language. But then the French came in, and it was sweeter than candy. Bunch of French-speaking Catholic Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's <sighs> so. Would you say like it would be better for us to see? Here's here's the thing that I, I struggle with. All right, I want I want to do youth ministry, so I want to evangelize. I evangelize people primarily within the apparatus of the local parish church and events that take place in and around it, or in and around the community that the teens are a part of, right? So mm-hmm. I go to their baseball game. I invite them to come to uh, a, an event night, a social, um, a life night, you know, whatever. We're a life team parish. So then in order to avoid making the same mistakes that we have been, I, I would – what would I do? I, I would not look at their ignorance of Catholic teaching as a problem to be solved, but rather – uh, I don't know, hug them and put a lay around their neck and uh, hold hands and sing hippie kumbaya chants? What do we do? Damn, damn straight. So right. exactly. Gonna, so what's the next step? I'm going to uh, see the problem is... That question? Youth ministry and young adult ministry are very different. 
and they're so. Um, let me take it from a young adult pers- perspective. Please I do, because neither of us are in youth ministry, and I don't know why I kept going there. <laughs> anymore. Well, no, it's because it's where we were. Um, it, okay, here's a better way to put it. Because um, I don't want to get, I can't, I don't, um, don't want to draw too much, uh, too much attention to where I work. But if I worked at a Catholic school, one of the first things that I would do is I would have every teacher at that school over in my house to eat at least once throughout the year and be a... a, a um, common thing, or there's some sort of like shared life going on, not just like, oh, I'm gonna have you over so you can understand who I am, like so we, I can like get um, to know you, so I can preach the gospel better to, to you, which is good. I'm not trying to say that that's bad, but the the intention must be shared life through like just like a shared meal. We're gonna like we're going to like share life to together by having by having to like share this meal together with with each with each other um really asking myself what i'm doing here am i doing this because i want to talk about being the church or am i actually going to be the be the be the church now part of that obviously is the formation of the intellect that's very important i'm I'm not sure but that's sometimes i think we talked about this before that's like all that we're doing though and we're just trying to change people's opinions so if I if I am if I am in ministry, the first thing I'm going to do is like really share my life and share in the lives of others with no other agenda, but to do that and to seek Christ's face while we are doing that. So if that means that I'm going to like do alpha, that's great. I'm going to run an alpha thing because that's you know again it, it begins in the God and it ends in God, but there's no goal. To be like, I want to, you know, uh, get a, um, I want to increase the amount of um, people in our group from 10 to 20. It's just my group's going to do this. Now, you do have to be a good steward, obviously. I'm not, I'm not trying to, but like that, that really then does change though what stewardship could, like, when that's your approach, that becomes real stewardship, if that makes sense. Oh, we want to do alpha here. We've got a hunt. We have like a hundred dollars. Can we buy the alpha stuff with this, or do we go and like feed the poor? Like, what is the Lord really calling us to do with those with those gifts? What's what's the spirit of like the heart of the um a community right now? And because you really can't. Sorry, I'm starting to ramble. Um, obviously, like you have to discern spirit and hearts as opposed to action. But I think you'll kind of know what direction God is calling you to. So that's why I love Adore so much, this idea of like shared life and all the stuff they're doing with Encounter out in uh, Texas. Because I don't know if that can get that big if you don't have like just like years and years of any like Jonathan opening up their homes to, to others and their lives and sharing in that with others. Yeah. You know, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to just go and you know, start to do what they're doing by having a conference at, you know, a resort during the off season. Those are all really good ideas, great ideas. But like, I do kind of wonder if like we miss that on this key part that there's a community that's, that's like, you know, all that is get is there before this. And there's a community that's going to be there after this. I think it's really important. So when you approach your when you approach your own like ministry, what are like 
this is where like it gets kind of weird because we think we're being paid to produce stuff to make things happen. This is where I, I get so upset because I'm like, we shouldn't be. We should not be. We should not be paid for the fruit of our labor. Like, look at what like Christ says when he, when he talks about how people get angry when they worked all day and then a person came and worked an hour and they all got the same pay. Like, Man. we're being paid to give our time, talents, and treasures to this, to youth ministry, to the, that's why I love the Patreon stuff because I feel like instead of like there being some sort of transaction that's going on, people are saying, we love what you guys are doing. Here's a bunch of money so you can just keep on doing that. There's no promise of what we're going to give them for the most part. They're just, we're going to keep doing this. But like, there's no sense of if you, you know, like we, we do have like rewards and, and stuff, but there is no sense of if you pay $10, you get this exact thing right here. You know, I don't know. I'm kind of all the place right now. I don't know if I've answered your question very well. Sorry. Well, I, I just keep going back to the notion of formation, not the notion of education. I think we focus so much on mm -hmm. education, and we don't focus on formation. And, you know, I like what Brandon Fott said where, you know, that one website last week was like, we have evangelized a million people. No, you had a million hits to your website. Like, come on, you didn't evangelize. Don't, don't let marketing supersede reality here. But, but here's where I think there's the, the danger in that is that if we don't acknowledge that our desire to turn people, to, to have people so they can then become what we think they should be, that's a problem. Wait, say that again. Say that again. That when we so I think sometimes why some people get creeped out by the word formation is that implies that I'm going to fix you or try to make you like this as opposed to who you are. Okay. So I think there there's a real. It, it, I just think if, if we if we don't if we don't um, acknowledge the fact. That trying to say, okay, I'm going to form you so you become like this, that's a problem. It should be more about I'm going to help form you so you can become who God is calling you to be. And that looks different for every person. Now, there are like pillars of truths within that, like God wants us all to be honest. You know, so I'm not trying to say like you, you, you be honest and you be sassy. <laughs> I'm just saying we have to like. Oh, I want that charism. <laughs> you got the charism of sassiness. You got the charism of administration. Oh, administration, that sucks. I know. <laughs> I thought you were really going to say something while you were laughing. No, I just have so much. It's just so. Um, there's just so much to unpack here, and I think it's. I think we're getting to the heart of it. Because before, I think we were just complaining. I think, okay, before, I was just complaining a lot. Yeah. And I think now I'm starting to go, like, what's going on here? And it's really challenging um, my – because it's tough. It's, it's, so, it's so easy to say, like, if we just were all orthodox, we'd be fine. If we all had, had – if we were just orthodox and had community, we'd be fine. Those are all really true things. But I think it's just to – acknowledge the fact 
that I'm coming from a place where I think that if all I've got to do are these things here, everything's going to be fine. That's a problem. Yeah. Yes. All right, man. What should we talk about now? I don't know. I'm so so depressed. What about your smartphone article? (sighs) Right. So I shared this article with Gomer from a guy in the Atlantic. It'll be by a woman. Go on. By a wall on the words. I never read their names. Um, And she basically talked about how she she didn't she give them a name like the iGen. Um, yeah, I don't know why she just didn't call them Generation Z, which is what everyone else is. So we're going to well because that. because she wants to focus. Now I know this author, and I've read a couple of her books. You know um, her personally. Yeah, we're really good friends. And, good friends, you and, hang out. Yeah. Is she, does she does she support the podcast? She does. Thank you. <laughs> yes, but she she wants to emphasize the the absolutely interpersonal or personal intimate and uh internet enabled everything of the generation right so from your television to your you know obviously your your smartphone your information device and it's basically destroying their mental health and they're isolated and it was just it was so like she there was a stat in this article that blew my mind that uh kids in 12th grade now are hanging out less than their counterparts did in like the nineties when they were in eighth grade. Yeah. So th- that means that like p- people who are 18 aren't going out as much as people who were, you know, f- um, who were 13 or 14, 14 did yeah. back in the nineties. Yeah. And that most teens, when they talk to me, interact, it's on their phones in a, on their bed. Like it's just like a known thing, and like the rates of suicide are are uh, going up. Um, it's so funny, you know. She she talked a lot. She she brought this fact that um, uh, teens are having less. Uh, they're not having as much like sex as teens did in the past, and when they first have sex, it's at a later age. Yeah. And she kind of was like, "Well, here's like a benefit, I guess, of that." Or. Or something. Yeah. But I'm like, I was like, uh, do you you do know they're just all like engaged in porn, right? Yeah. So which is like terrible. Um, like, would you rather have a teen? That that sounds weird. Um, what is worse? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> premarital sex or masturbation? Probably premarital sex because it involves another person. See, but I think at the same time. time. There is still this element of being outside myself and actually being with another person. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's like a higher. That's like a good. But if you had this, because I I, I want to say I heard a person talk about saying how uh, Aquinas thought that masturbation could be the worst, not counting like horrific things, like you know, like uh, uh, child abuse and or like rape, but that that. Masturbation was like the worst thing that you could do because it's so isolating. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they're all doing. Like, you're crazy if you don't think that that's what's happening. Yeah. And it's just leading to more depression. You know, they're more cut mm-hmm. off from people. The more this, the more they pour over their phones. I mean, it really is. Um, like one of the things is if you see it's so easy to talk to people on social media and form little groups and stuff 
and I have to say social media like a like a douche because it involves so many different platforms. You know, most kids are not on Facebook because it's permanent. So they're on Snapchat because it disappears. And when you think about it from that perspective, like they're not forming they're not going out as much as they used to. They're not going to parties in, in good and bad ways, right? They're not hanging out with each other and they're not going to the mall. They don't care about being with their family. Like you used to be like, Mom, I, I don't want to go with you. I want to be alone with my friends. Well, that was an important part of adolescent development, not just rebellion, but just development of forming who you are as a person and being more spending more time with your friends and your family mm-hmm. in social settings. Like that's how you get to know who you are and who you're not. But if if they stay with their family, but they're not interacting with their family, they're walking four feet behind them on their phone which you see every day at the mall, and I go to the mall every day and just people watch because I'm a creeper. But Let's if you go to the mall. Da, 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 da. But if you do that all the time, right, you're, you're, not, you're honestly not branching out. And so these people are, they say that they feel more left out. They feel more alone. They struggle with um, loneliness and isolation 10 times more. What is it, 27% more? Um, it's just all sorts of... Uh, 48% for girls, 27% more for boys feel left out. You know, it's brutal. It is brutal. I, get, I honestly think that if you if I had an iPhone at the age of of 17, it would have destroyed me. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. I think it, I just like I get anxiety just because I can just see it how insecure I was and I am like we I mean again, we all were for the most part, but like just that constant comparison. I mean, it, it was just bad enough with, you know, I am and stuff, but ugh, I feel so bad for them. And, and you know what's funny? I bet you it's just not just as bad, but I'd be curious to see what it's like for people in their 20s. Because there's definitely like, that's why I think sometimes I'm glad like bars made it are like, you know, like overflowing because at least people are interacting. Yeah. Somewhat. I, yeah. No, I think. <laughs> I think for people, one of the um, important things that we – well, let me, let me rephrase this. You should go and check out this article. I'm going to put it on um, our, our show notes. So you get the show notes at catchingfoxes.fm slash 102. That's this episode 102. Um, and then what I'm going to do, I'll have it on there. You can, it's on the Atlantic. Um, and you can go and read it. And it's a pretty good, like more of the sociology and science behind – the addictive behaviors that I gen and millennials have with their phones, you know, the notion of like sleeping in the bed with your phone. And they say things like, what, what was the line? Um, having my phone closer to me while I'm sleeping is a comfort. I know I shouldn't, but I just can't help it. This is the language of addiction. Um, and so it's this, it's this craziness, right? That's, that's kind of going on. But I think it's a good step before you read something like the world beyond your head um, because of how, how desperate it how desperate it makes us for contact while not giving us contact mm-hmm. so it's like the gamification of our social lives like oh and and here's the deal i have never been on twitter like i've been on twitter in the last month preparing for my stupidville social media talk i got on twitter <laughs> hardcore and let me say this other than the crunch and and rally roscoe and you know a handful of people <clears throat> i of course you jeez i hate catholic twitter yeah i don't think there's a lot of good to it no there's it's like a weird number one catholic twitter if it's a thing it is owned by tom tig or whatever i don't know how to say his last name 
It is. I see his tweets all the time. It is owned by Jackie Francois, and uh, and she's a queen on her throne. Yeah, and and the guys from the Crunch, they're everywhere. It is cra- and Sergio. It is crazy to yeah. see these people. No matter who I'm following, there's like a retweet from one of those like six people constantly. Oh, it is wild. It is wild. But I'm like, but other, I mean, other than them, them other than them, there is so many annoying as shit people that I have to push the eject button. But then I immediately go back when I have a notification. <laughs> I immediately go back. Let me ask you this. Do you think our like rejection or like uh, kind of disgust with that activity, do you think that's an example of us rejecting them because we're in the anima? technique of back oh, this is a stoner thought you know because we're in the uh atv if if you will so we don't want to deal with people that make us that we find to be unpleasant or uncomfortable or oh i see what you're saying so because i'm not i don't like that you know certain people within that group that's just me manifesting this whole situation more often i don't want to be uncomfortable i want to be happy i want to get you know feel good mm. I don't, don't want to, um, I don't know. I mean, because there's definitely like boundaries and like, no, this is really like toxic. I don't want this in my life. I think that's totally fine. Hmm. But I don't know. This is, this is kind of crap that goes through my head. Like I was at a bar the, the other night and there was a guy in an electric wheelchair. And I saw him go around a few times. Now I couldn't tell if he was with the group or not, but it like really struck me. I had this thought of like, is he here by himself? Yeah. Is he just at his bar to watch this game by himself? And is he just going around? And how many people, myself included, are not going to reach out to him because it's uncomfortable and they don't know what to say? And so because he's in a wheelchair, an, an electronic wheelchair, and maybe he has a little bit of, like, uh, speech issues or, you know, like, got, you know, like, and he could have been with the group, so I'm not. I'm just like it. Just really hit me like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. Like I'm engaging in the on. I'm in the ATV because I don't know how to interact with this guy because I I like automatically think, oh, he. I don't see a person. I see a person in a in a wheelchair who can't on the function like everyone else here. You can't, you know, so I don't know how to interact with him, and I'm still not going to. Yeah. Like, that's fucked up. Or like what we talked about with your dad's passing and um, with women who experience a miscarriage. It makes us so uncomfortable, so we don't even bring it up, and that further isolates. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. what do and we do? What's the you, first thing? Just acknowledge it. Just say, yeah, it was the best thing. Yeah, we weren't talking about it, but it was the best thing in the world when people just said, I'm so sorry about your dad. It was amazing. Yeah. Couldn't get enough of it, which I mean, it sounds it just was so <laughs> healing. It was crazy. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of bringing it all, all full circle. This is why and I, I really do mean this. I want to keep this sounds very self-indulgent or self-serving, but like, that's why I love that people are supporting us on Patreon because I want to keep having these 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 con these conversations because i think this is really 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 important like i think we're on to something here that i'm not saying we're going to save the church or the west or anything like that but i think 
plenty of other people doing a much better job of that. Um, but this is a conversation that I need to have. Like my, I need to do this or I'm going to die. Like I'm like, I, I was so depressed over some of the stuff. I just had to get it out and just talk to someone. So I talked to some poor girl for 20 minutes about it. And she was like, Oh wow. I was like, yeah, no, it's right. Oh, get this tinfoil hat off my head. <laughs> someone bail me out. So Luke, what are you listening to? <sighs> um, Right now, I um, terms of music, oh, oh, Childish Gambino. Oh my gosh, dude. Oh my gosh, he's so. Fl- I can't believe how talented that dude is. I'm obsessed. What like, uh, what uh, album? So I've been listening to a couple of um, more, just him on Spotify. So obviously, I love the song uh, three. 3005 and this sober song but i also love his new album i forget the name of the song i'm gonna pull it up it's like he just he's like the dude is so flipping talented like he's channeling prince and like good hip-hop and like sufjan stevens it's Ooh. kind of ridiculous um i would call where did it go oh it's called Redbone, it's such a crazy good song, like crazy, crazy good. Have you been listening to P- Propaganda? His new album Crooked is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's I've, very- I've heard of, it's got Aaron Marsh from Copeland on it, and it's, that song's amazing. Oh, is that who that guy is? Yeah, that song was great. And Audrey mm-hmm. Assad's on one of the I songs. Know. If we could have gotten him on, it would have been a Catching Foxes song. <laughs> and she she is great on it i played it today before my retreat i literally listened mm-hmm. to last night in order to prepare for my retreat i have my charismatic playlist of just like holy spirit songs i listen to and i'm like this isn't do it for me dot, 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 dot. kendrick lamar so i was listening to damn by kendrick lamar and i was like yeah this isn't doing it for me so then i was listening to chance the rapper and mm. it was great it was great like i think i think chance is great but i was like nah this isn't doing it for me and and I think I joined Black Lives Matter just by listening to those two, right? Have you heard, <laughs> like, when when Kendrick Lamar did one of his songs, he did it for, uh, at BET for an award show. He His stage was, he was standing on top of a cop car chanting out Black Lives Matter slogans. Uh, and then uh, Chance the Rapper, you know, he did that awesome, mm-hmm. how great is our God thing um, at the Grammys. But uh, And then I went and listened to I was like, oh, the Propaganda's album is out. I didn't know that. So I started listening to it. It's a lot angrier, and it's more on justice and racism mm-hmm. more than anything else. But it is, it is, it is pop and fresh out the kitchen. And so I tagged him and Audrey Assad last night, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> this is <laughs> it. This is awesome." I tried to get him on the podcast again, but no go. Oh man, I know. I was like, "But we're like ten times bigger." He was, but I mean, it was kind of funny because like his like manager was like, "I'm so happy to hear that you guys are doing well. It's just he's just too busy." And I was like, fair enough. Yeah, no kidding. He is so crazy. I've also, uh, there's a really, gr- so I went to this place downtown that makes hipster sandwiches. And they're playing this really cool, um, this really cool track. I was like, what is this song? And they're like, well, it's a Portuguese version of um, a, of a David Bowie song, Suffragette City. It's from the um, the Life Aquatic soundtrack, and it's super, super cool by C.U. George. So that's another thing. Yeah, yeah. Gomer, you there? 
Can you hear me? Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. I'm literally talking to you right now. Gormley. Uh crap. Luke, 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 Luke. Gormley. Gormley. 